I want every gun we have to fire on that man. Do it. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Chris, we're back. Uh, last episode was really fun for me. Because I like listening to people nerd out about things they really enjoy. And I think that's what you two did a little bit um, on the last episode, especially because I am I have no idea what the heck is going on half the time when we're talking about Star Wars. So I did my best to hang in there, but you guys did great. And and I'm just excited to figure out like what truly is the best Star Wars battle. Yeah, I, I feel like I downplay my Star Wars fandom a lot. I'll be like, eh, I'm, I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan. And then like suddenly I know everything I need to about Star Wars, like when I need it sure. most. So um, to help us, we've got him back. The legend, Andre Berg. Thanks for coming back to talk more Star Wars with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, had a blast last week. Uh, we got through quite a bit of... Uh, Really iconic battles there, and um, really looking forward to this next round to see how these winners fare off. Sure. So, um, I, in addition to being a huge Star Wars fan, you are a Pokemon creator. So, oh. tell uh, our Mouse Madness listeners a little bit about what you do uh, on some of your channels. Yeah. So, uh, a couple months ago, um, I started doing a uh, stream. Um, uh, stream channel is uh, on Facebook Live and Twitch primarily. I do a little bit on Omelette Arcade and YouTube Live as well, but uh, mostly on Twitch and Facebook. And stream channel name is called Blizzard. That's B-L-I-Z-Z-E-R-G. Um, and I do three different kind of Pokemon focuses right now. Um, I do Pokemon Go uh, for the Competitive Battle League. Um two nights a week, and then I do Pokemon Unite uh, that just released uh, in July. Um, so that's kind of a, a hot up-and-coming game right now. I do that for two nights a week as well. Um, and then the other content that I do is Pokemon uh, uh, T uh, TCG uh, Rip and Ships. So it's like opening packs on stream. Um, we People come on, they purchase packs. I try to get as as pretty good prices you know because pokemon cards are pretty hard to come by right now um and then we get those opened on stream and then we ship them out so uh kind of sounds like an abstract concept but it's a really really fun <laughs> thing um you know i follow a few channels myself and uh the stream has grown quite tremendously just over the last couple of months that uh we've been live doing it so um yeah so feel free to come on and check us out like i said we're on facebook and we are on twitch uh, primarily and Sunday through Thursday, 8 p.m. Central is when we go live. Um, if if y'all have never watched a 
Pokemon rip and ship stream, it's addicting. <laughs> it is so fun. It's basically like you feel like you're opening card packs yourself. You're like, what's what's going to be inside this one? If you love Pull of the Pod, you will love Pokemon Rip and Shrip streaming. <laughs> um, and it, people, I mean, like you were saying, people spend a lot of money to to like pay you to open packs for them on the internet. Yeah, and and I I know that there's like like I said, I follow other TCG Rip and Ship streams as well, and um. I have a blast just going on and watching and I don't, I don't spend money when I go to those. Um, but I love to watch and see what other people are able to pull. Cause like you said, it's kind of like you're opening the pack yourself. You get the, you get the excitement factor of going through and, and, uh, watching a pack get opened. Um, but I try to, uh, as a way to kind of separate myself from other streams, I don't do it as a means for income or for profit. I'm not looking to, uh, mark up prices and and do anything like that. I'm really just trying to keep the stream going and grow right now. So all my prices are super low uh, in comparison to uh, <laughs> most rip and ship streams. Uh, so most of the time we're just vibing. We're hanging out. Um, last Thursday we went for we went until went until like two a.m. We had like a six hour stream and I got work the next morning. So <laughs> I'm having a blast though, man. We'll just hang out. And, you know, we got, we got some uh, regulars that always come through and, you know, we're just vibing, chilling, hanging out. So it's always fun, even if you're not coming on to, to spend money. Um, Mr. Berg, um, how come you're so tired this morning? I was open Pokemon pack till 2 a.m. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Let's uh let's talk some spoonfuls of sugar, y'all. Let's let's talk about what we got on our cups today before we talk about some Star Wars. Kyle, what do you got? I'm back with some coffee. It, <laughs> it's another morning recording for us, so I'm here with some coffee. I have some things to do this afternoon, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to throw any Baileys into it. But it's definitely gonna give me the caffeine to kind of power through some of these battles. Talk about them some more uh, next week. I hope to be back with my home chemist alcohol mixing glory uh but i'm i'm back to coffee this week chris what do you got um late september early october is a busy time for baseball professionals so we're doing some uh double tasking today trying to hit a little workout after this recording session so i got some pre-workout in my cup right now Uh, i'm rolling with rolling with the ghost uh, pre-workout today, uh, incredible uh, pre-workout supplement company, Ghost. And uh, guess what? I'm drinking it out of my Haunted Mansion cup. So, cup, so we got double ghost action. We're calling it the Force <laughs> Ghost. The Force Ghost pre-workout breakfast this morning. Um, Andre, what about you? Man, I guess I'm the only alcoholic here. Uh, had to had to do it big and uh, whip out the, <laughs> the, the Clone Troopers Coruscant Coors Light. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cor- the chorus is song. <laughs> um, that's great. All right, um, Kyle. Uh, I think you've got some. Uh, you've got something to do over there. I do. This is my favorite job of the podcast. It is the pull of the pod time. <laughs> we are going through packs of fiftieth anniversary upper deck Disney cards in the search for Mister Tom Morrow. The animatronic figure from Interventions and Mission to Space, or not a mission, uh, Rocket to the Moon from Disneyland. And uh, we're going to open up these packs one by one. They consist of about five cards in hopes that we'll find Tom Morrow 
Uh, we have not found him yet. Let's see if today will be that day. And we are starting this pack off strong. It is 1967's Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, you had me. You had me for a second. <laughs> it's, it is a very important card to me. This is a... Uh, oh, and in fact, the photo on the front of it, if you listen to our best Disneyland attractions bracket, you will have known that my favorite pirate is the pirate that is holding every hat in the building on top of his head and in his hands and is trying to hop into a boat and doing a poor job of it. That is what is on the front of this card. So I love it a lot. And then the auctioneer pirate is on the back. Great first card. Canceled. 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 Uh, Second up here, 1993's Minnie's House and Garden. Ooh. (laughs) And and Garden. Can't forget that. Uh, The photo is of Minnie standing on her porch waving to the camera. It's one of those meet and greet opportunities. I've never actually been in Minnie's house uh, for one of those meet and greets. I don't know if you have, Chris. Yeah, I've done. I think I've done it a couple times. It always has a shorter line than Mickey's house, which is right. I think why we've done it. But the garden element is an important aspect of her house. <laughs> okay, they both have garden elements, I guess. Uh, big yeah. gardeners, Mickey and Minnie, living in their separate sustainable, houses. sustainable people. You, you know, to the see green. It. You love to see it. All right. The next card is a great moments card, and it is Phantasmic. Oh, fireballs. I, lo- I love me some Phantasmic. Uh, the photo on the front is Mickey shooting uh, the, the dragon with his firework hands. Uh, actually, it's, a, it's like an um, illustration because on the back, there's a bigger photo, and it's Mickey meeting the dragon's like fire flame and countering it with like magic (laughs) which which definitely doesn't happen in the show but no but it's a pretty cool photo uh i'm i'm waiting for the day to fantasmic to return to the rivers of america and our final card before the attractions poster is not tom morrow (laughs) this is a die cut card which is kind of cool and we have pulled one of these before it is the Haunted Mansion die card, die cut card, but this one is of Beware of the Hitchhiking Ghosts. I literally thought that was the one we already have. I don't remember what the one we already have is. Um, I probably could tell you because I have literally the stack of them right here next to me. But <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just the Hitchhiking Ghosts. Uh, on the back is the one with the top hat that is kind of like, you know, giving you a, a top of the morning. And then <laughs> the final attraction poster. Is that what he's doing? This- he giving you yeah. a top of the morning? You give a little, look at this. A little top Is of the morning. Is that what in your head canon of the Haunted Mansion? He's like an Irishman. Top, who's- top of the morning. Top of the morning. Okay. Top of the sure. morning. Sure. And then the final, final card of the pack is the attraction poster and is the attraction poster for Frontierland. Mm. And it has Rare. the yeah, stagecoach ride and the pack mule ride. Um, which is interesting that it's called, this actually is Mule Pack Ride, because I don't think I've ever heard or seen that attraction referred to as like ride, hmm. but it is on this attraction poster. So once again, no, Mr. Tom Morrow, you're going to have to tune into the next bracket to see if we uh, finally find this elusive fellow. Yeah. We might have to start our own rip and ship stream for <laughs> 50th anniversary packs because... <laughs> <laughs> um we're opening a lot over here yes we are are we like how cl- are we close at all to finishing the box 
Yeah, we're about like, it looks like we're about halfway, if I had to guess. <laughs> oh, God. We'll see you in 2023. <laughs> um, all right. Let's hop back into Star Wars. Uh, to remind everyone, the bracket is best Star Wars battle. We are not taking into consideration TV shows or The Mandalorian uh, or books or comics. This is movies only. Um, and we are examining the battles from a macro scale. So this is the official Wikipedia entries for these battles, each one having multiple components. For example, the Battle of Naboo had both the Gungans versus Droid fight and the Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan versus Qui-Gon fight. Uh, so there's uh, a lot to talk about with these. Uh, and to remind everyone, the demographic that was surveyed to get our seating was Savvy's Workshop Lightsaber Builders people just stoked about Jedi combat. And we are picking up our round of eight with the following matchups. Battle of Yavin versus Battle of Scarif. That's the one versus nine seed. Number four, Battle of Geonosis versus number five, Battle of Starkiller Base. Number two, Battle of Endor versus 10, Duel on Mustafar. And the number three seed, Battle of Hoth versus number six, Battle of Crate. Uh, okay, so we've got the Battle of Yavin versus Battle of Scarif to start off today. So Battle of Yavin, the ending of Star Wars, A New Hope, Luke Skywalker going down that trench run and blowing up the Death Star. Um, this is interesting because it, it, it is a battle moment and it is the sort of end of this Death Star 1. And if you were never to watch another Star Wars movie, it's the end of the Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> right. And like, I think, I think, I, I, I don't really know enough about like George Lucas and the way he kind of like planned all of this out to know that he knew that there was still more. He might've kind of like made the movie just in case there wasn't more so that it felt like it was complete, but like yeah. deep down knew that like there, there's going to be some more stuff going on. Yeah. So when, when he, when he wrote, as far as I know, when he wrote the script, it was intended to be a standalone movie. Wow. Huh. Um, okay. I don't know at what point they decided they were going to do more with it because there's definitely indicators within the movie that suggests there's going to be more. Um, but you can, you can see plenty of evidence in that movie where it's a standalone, right? And so um, that's what I heard is that at least through the writing process, it was intended to be a standalone movie. And that's why I think I like this original Star Wars movie the best is because it really feels like a structured, complete, um, like film 101 type movie where there's Tie characters. A perfect knot. Yep. Yes, there's, there's stakes and motivations and objectives and um, uh, character arcs and growth and learning. And it's all just, I'm into that. You know, yeah. that's that's my favorite thing in anything is is hitting all of those checkpoints and checking all of those boxes on your movie. That makes me feel satisfied. Not that that's better or worse than any other type of movie, but that's the way I like it, which is why I like A New Hope. Um, but when we're talking about battles, you know, battles are just part of a bigger war. Yep. And so the way that this battle of Yavin is kind of quote unquote narrated. It doesn't feel like a battle and that it's like one side versus another side. It's a battle of one hero trying to overcome a challenge. The hero being Luke Skywalker trying to overcome his inexperience and his naivety and his 
uh, you know, lack of knowledge with the force and his sadness of losing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like he has to overcome all these things to um, not just defeat the empire, but like to, to grow as a person. It's kind of a coming of age story. Sure. And so I personally love that. And that, that makes this battle one of my favorites in this movie, my favorite one. Um, but I can acknowledge that like in the backdrop of all these other battles that we've talked about, this battle of Yavin is lacking a lot as well. Sure. Um, but, but it has a lot of those human elements. It's got bigs getting blown up. Like that's, <laughs> yep. that's, that's huge for Luke. And that's something that we have talked about is missing from a lot of battles is those kind of like more intimate, intense, emotional guy lost his buddy on the front lines type things. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate that that's there going up against battle of Scarif, which I think uh, it's interesting that Andre loves the, the battlefront games so much because the battlefront games were big for me as well. And, and kind of like helped me learn a lot about star Wars. It's like playing battlefront battlefront two and star Wars rogue squadron. Like you learn a lot about like the planets and like who was fighting on which planets and that kind of stuff by like interacting with the Star Wars content. And like he was saying on the last episode, like that battle of Scarif, you're on the front lines with your characters. Whereas a battle that was eliminated last week, Battle of Coruscant, there is this huge battle happening, but you're focused on this like tiny, just just what Obi-Wan and Anakin are doing. And you kind of lose the sensation of the battle because there's just not enough time to focus on it. Whereas like Battle of Scarif is just like, feels like a documentary almost of what's happening. Um, We shouted out the beautiful location. We shouted out the uh, kind of like difference in between the, the delicateness and the intricacy of Jin's objective versus like the slash and dash shoot em up of some of the other things happening outside. I'm, I guess this is like a Star Wars universe question. This this tower that they're trying to like infiltrate is basically it's like the five G tower of of the galaxy <laughs> of the Star Wars universe, right? Like this is this is why they're communic the Empire's whole communication system is coming out of this one giant satellite. If I'm remembering that correctly, that location was where yeah, it was like an information database where the plans were located for the Death Star. Um, the, the top secret plans and so when they when the Reb, when the rebel alliance got the intel that that's where it was um they knew they had to go but there was a huge blockade right they they had to take down the 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 uh shields in order to get in and then once they got in the shields came back up and they realized they were stuck so that was kind of like a big deal and then you can kind of see it on the entire rebel fleet that was on the ground at that point realized we're going to die today yeah. So let's let's finish the mission and make sure it wasn't for nothing. Um, so I thought that was kind of crazy. But then, yeah, so that, that also was a big communication ground. Um, and so that was how they were able to transmit the plans, um, you know, electronically uh, outside of the planet, even though they weren't able to escape. So... I, the, the fact that these two are going up against each other is frustrating to me because both of these movies are sort of self-contained and yeah. these battles both have a lot of character in them. Yep. In Scarif, you've got Jin and um, Cassian Andor who are, you know, those, those lone wolf types 
that have been without family their whole lives and they find each other at the very end. And that's kind of the way that they go out. Um, the Imperial pilot guy, can't remember his name, but played by Riz Ahmed, uh, you know, kind of trying to redeem himself from being this Imperial pilot guy, kind of a bad guy his whole life. And he, he does this good thing to end. Um, you've got, um, I can't remember his name though. The I am one with the force, the forces with me guy. Yeah. Who the blind guy who, yeah, he like force feels his way through the battlefield to hit the switch and his buddy who doesn't believe in the force, like yeah. finally believes it like on his way out and dying. Like it's all just so, so poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Krennic in there as well as kind of a, a human villain which is rare in Star Wars battles. Like it's all just, it's just the empire. It's just like all the spaceships. Whereas in here, you also have Krennic who's on the ground and he is out to kind of like prove himself and make a name for himself right before this battle. We see Krennic with Vader and him kind of be like, what? So so you're going to, you're going to tell the emperor about me, right? Like you're going (laughs) to, you're going to give me a good recommendation with him. Uh, so his kind of like sliminess is, is, uh, present as well. I mean, like I said, I love episode four. I love the battle of Yavin. I love the trench run, but I think as a battle, battle of Scarif is just too good. I think there's just so many good things going on here and I'm advancing it in the upset. Yeah, I am going to agree with you, but it's because I feel like the battle of Yavin is that what's focused on here. Like this trench run is a single mission that's a part of a bigger battle and in scarif we get to see not only the mission of the battle but the battle itself and you get to see kind of all aspects of it and how every aspect of that battle plays out um that number one seed's a one seed for a reason like this is a massive moment that has transcended star wars into general pop culture knowledge for sure but getting down to like what these battles are scarif is just way more of a battle than this trench run mission so i'm going to agree with you um andre did we mess up here no um i was i was hoping you guys would sway this direction so that i didn't have to be the reason that this upset <laughs> occurred because yeah, i said it for all those same reasons i like the battle of yavin is if if this was a list of most iconic battles yeah yep Yavin is uh, that's that's going to win. I don't see there being an argument you can make for any of these other battles that are gonna, you know, top what is actually occurring there. But there's so much happening with this battle of Scarif, and we talked about it on the last episode. But every single one of these main characters that we've just watched for the last hour and a half and got so attached to, they are sacrificing their lives and they're laying it down for the cause. And it's funny that these two ended up actually matching up in this round because this battle of Yavin wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for for the battle of, for for uh, battle of Scarif. So um, you know, not that that should make it win or anything like that. We're looking strictly from the battle perspective. But like you said, there's from a like if we're, if I'm playing Star Wars Battlefront, I am in <laughs> I am in this battle. Like yeah. I am having dirt thrown on my face as I'm watching this. Like you feel like you're in the action. If you watch this with a with a big old uh, sound bar subwoofer, like it is intense. This yes. is a very very intense battle. So um, it's a nine seed, but like I said, I think this one was was uh, was a sleeping giant from the start. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think you guys nailed it. This one's gonna pull off the upset. 
All right, let's move on to the next Elite Eight matchup. It's the number four, Battle of Geonosis versus number five, Battle of Star Killer Base. I gave a lot of props to the Star Killer Base battle because uh, I really liked to see the style of fighting between Kylo and Rey and Finn. The moment that we see a non-Jedi uh, wielding the, the lightsabers. And then you just get to see like it click for Rey. And that's a huge moment uh, that that her kind of fighting style shows that there's something special about her. Uh, and that's really important to her character, obviously, because the entire saga is figuring out who Rey is uh, in, with the backdrop of like this intergalactic war. So up against Battle of Geonosis, which is Jedi chaos. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of Jedi's, a lot of droid fighting. A lot of really, really, really bad C-3PO jokes in this one. Oh my, that, yeah, it's probably the worst, like, it's, in all of the movies. It's hard to, it, so the reason why he's in a position to make jokes is because he has, his C-3PO's head has been put onto a different droid body, and that is the bit. <laughs> that is the bit. For the rest of that that entire battle, he sticks to that bit, and it is. I brought up how annoying his his jokes are uh, when we talked about the best Star Wars character. It, this is like as bad as it gets. <laughs> he's he's bordering on Olaf territory uh, in this in this battle. Dangerous, dangerous territory to be in is Olaf territory. <laughs> uh, but what you do get a little jumping bean Yoda time. I love watching like Prime Yoda just hop around the screen. <laughs> crazy. It's great. It is crazy. Well, it's Yeah, well, I I'm seeing this scene after The Mandalorian, like I have a whole new kind of like perspective on it, like knowing hmm. I mean, I guess we don't we still don't technically know like what Grogu is or like if he has a relationship to Yoda. I think uh -huh. a common theory is that like Grogu is Yoda reincarnated. Oh. And and I guess seeing cool. Yoda wielding a lightsaber is uh, is interesting because like you kind of know the power that's inside of this creature that he's that he's not showing. Right. And it's crazy because it's just so such a powerful creature and such a small body that everything is so unexpected that comes from him. And in part of that is his ability to just jump around <laughs> and off of things and especially because they make this character seem kind of like old and frail right like every time we see him he's walking with like a staff he's when we see him in the original trilogy he is a old puppet and you don't really expect anything out of him so to see that jedi-ness and why he is this jedi master and why luke was going to him in the original trilogy. It's like, oh, this is why. Because he's raw, dude. <laughs> he's, a, he's a dope little Jedi guy. Does he get sassy in this scene? Like, I feel like at some point in the prequels, Yoda becomes this, like, sassy one-liner machine. Tell us, Andre. Yeah, no, he um, he's definitely much more charismatic in the, um, in the original trilogy in terms of, like, mm. his humor. And sure. they talked a little bit about that in some of the kind of filler stuff in that he was always, that was kind of more his personality. 
but the the kind of Clone Wars and the stuff that was kind of going on in the prequels uh, created a lot of stress for him and uh, kind of made him have to take a much more serious role. Hmm. Um, so it, it is like kind of his spunky, charismatic personality that we see, especially in like episode five. That's that's much more of telling of who he is. Yeah. In this matchup, I have to go with the Battle of Geonosis uh, because I just and this is like these prequels you hear about Jedi in the original trilogy talked about as these incredible knights with these incredible powers and and on these incredible missions. And then this is the time where you get to see that. Right. And they're absolutely incredible. They get freaking killed off a lot in this battle <laughs> like homies are dropping like flies um but you get to see the true power of jedi and i think that's really cool and you, that's a big part of star wars battles right especially in this prequel series uh so i'm gonna go with the number four over the star killer base um so the thing about the star killer base is that it a lot in a lot of ways feels like a like a redo of star wars a new hope uh yep it's like you've got uh, ships going on kind of like a trench run situation. You've got uh, like old people being killed by young people, <laughs> lightsaber battles. Like it, it feels very familiar. And like, I think that was intentional because of how poorly received the prequels were for a lot of people. It's like, let's just do something we know everyone likes. Yes. And that is episode four. Um, so like some of the more interesting stuff to me in that battle of Starkiller base is that the base is so big that it has like its own environment right crazy um like the sun rises and sets on it and there's like snow on it it's so cool yeah um the the final battle with with the kids is really like my favorite part about it you mm -hmm. know uh seeing the new generation of jedi duking it out and kind of like laying the seeds for what should have been the remaining two movies um <laughs> But to me, like it, we, you know, we were talking about inexperienced people holding lightsabers and like, that's what Star Wars was always to me. It was like that anyone mm -hmm. could do it. Like anyone could pick up a lightsaber and, and just start going crazy if they wanted to. Like, yes, there maybe are some force sensitive people or more experienced people than others. But like, if I wanted to, and I saw a lightsaber, I would pick it up and I would just start going, start going off. Yep. Uh, so I like that we kind of see that happen um, at the end of The Force Awakens. It was almost like you had three people who watched a YouTube tutorial on how to be a Jedi all <laughs> fighting each other. Uh, Kylo Ren, like after he quit Luke's uh, training school, was like, YouTube, how to, how to be a Sith like Darth Vader. It's like an old, old Count Dooku hologram who's like, so you want to be a Sith? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going with Battle of Geonosis as well. Um, I have some, some interesting theories about the Battle of Geonosis that I want to talk about in the next round, but we'll save it. Um, Andre, do you agree, uh, with our advancement of Geonosis here? Yeah. And I have some, I have some points too that I'm saving for when we have a more competitive, something that's <laughs> worthy of really matching Geonosis. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off there, but yeah, I think you guys nailed it here. There's there's too much there's too much awesome battle stuff happening here with Geonosis to 
All right. To give this one up. Let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number two, Battle of Endor versus 10, Duel on Mustafar. We talked about Mustafar a lot. There's some questionable CGI, I guess, if you are comparing it to 2021 standards. Um, you've got a very, very long lightsaber battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan. A Battle of Endor we didn't talk about a lot, so we'll talk about it um, right now. It's got three or four elements going on with it. Um, a little bit of a complicated finale to the original trilogy. You've got the the Ewok planet, the forest planet of Endor, where on the ground um, the Ewoks have teamed up with the rebels, including Han and Leia. They have to disable some other type of shield generator thing on the, the base of the planet, um, while the rebel fleet led by Akbar and Lando is up in space trying to to do a, a more permanent um blow up of the death i still don't understand like <laughs> how do you blow up the death star but you you couldn't blow it up enough <laughs> somehow did it get put back together or did they just build a whole ass new one they they built they started building a whole new one okay yeah okay i think when i was a kid it made sense to me that like they somehow picked up all of the pieces and just put it back together like a puzzle <laughs> i think in the intro credit and i might be wrong i believe in the intro credits for episode 6 it says that they're building it's like it's much bigger it's like mm. it's a much bigger much more destructive one than the first one um and they're building it all kind of brand new so yeah so it does, put, it does they, kind of seem like yeah. there's some holes in the plot of just like oh all of a sudden we just we built a bigger and a better one and this one's got no flaws <laughs> they, they, they put a piece of plywood over the exhaust port yeah. on the new one. so so basically lando lando has to fly in uh, and so like they're instead of instead of having a three-foot hole for the exhaust port they just build a giant ass one that a whole ship can fly through right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Lando does. Like he just goes straight into it. There's yeah. no like trap door on it or like and he just goes in. I think the point of this one and um this was another scene that I watched again last night, but I think that so Sidious wanted the rebellion to think that they had it all figured out. Yeah. You know, they wanted him to think, "Hey, we're going to their shields are being operated on this moon. We're gonna go here. We're gonna we're gonna knock the shields down. We're gonna send our fleet in, and we're gonna destroy it because it isn't operational, right? It's still under construction. It's still not ready yet. But if we attack it now, then they're vulnerable. That was kind of the the the, the plan that Sidious had behind the whole thing. And then, oh shoot, they show up. We knew you were showing up. It's a trap. There's like all these things that are happening, right? And then, yeah, it is fully operational and watch us destroy your your entire fleet with it. So, yeah. Yep. It was, it was an interesting plan. So it's basically another fake news war that Palpatine <laughs> is just, he's, yep. he is such a wasteful creature. He just like creates these wars for absolutely no reason yeah. whatsoever. Just, just to like satisfy his ego, um, which I guess makes him very scary villain, like very top tier movie villain. Um, yeah. So yeah, so then there's that third element of this battle, which is happening on, on the I think it's on the Death Star, right? It's on the new Death Star. Um, it's Palpatine in the throne room with Vader and Luke, yeah. and 
it's a very strange kind of battle because no one's super upset. Everyone is just kind of like feeling each other out. Um, it's like the it's like the office when when they're all in the room and they're like they yes. got the guns and like yeah hey. <laughs> yeah yep. um, they all kind of are very powerful but no one really wants to make the first move to make themselves seem weak or vulnerable um, again like not super complicated like lightsaber choreography a lot of Luke's strikes on Vader towards the end of the battle feel like they have a lot of emotion behind them, especially when Vader starts saying that stuff about Leia when he's like, all right, if you don't want to join me, I'm going to get your sister. And he was like, (laughs) starts wailing on him. You see that, you see that dark side of, of Luke really starts to come out too. Totally. And that's, and that's, that's one thing about Luke Skywalker that we eventually, you know, we see come to fruition is that he's very much like his father. He's, um, he does have some kind of conflict within him of he wants to act naturally and he wants to act within his emotions and he does have, uh, you know, emotional relationships with the people around him and he does not follow the traditional Jedi way. But so and, and Sidious knows this, right? He's trying to trigger him. Oh, you see your friends up there? They're all gonna die. You want to take? Strike me with it. He's all. I dare you. Like he wants him to. He's just. He's. He's tempting him because he knows that he's just like him. Really, really intense. I. I really like a slow, intense movie scene, and that throne room scene is definitely one of them. For sure. Um. So I. I think it's a cool way to kind of wrap up, uh, the personal elements of Luke's and Vader's story. Um, but I guess the emperor survives at the end. He gets thrown down the shaft and blows up down there. And I, I, I there's a theory that they're all clones. Like mm. they're, the, the emperor was never really real. Like even the original chancellor was, or the senator was like a clone to begin. It, it gets crazy. It gets really crazy <laughs> by yeah. the, by the end of the saga. Yeah. Um, do we do we buy Han and Leia as a couple? I, I want to see say it like feels pretty convenient, you know, that like they're really the only two eligible people, right? I guess like in the in the threesome to you mean you mean we're discounting Luke here? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess he's off limit. I guess I mean Luke and Han. Not in episode off, four, it was eligible. okay. Could have could have happened. Um, I mean, I I guess I like. There are a lot of comedy movies where you have like the two loudmouth friends end up liking each other by the end of it. Right. I I, I can't. I, uh, what happens in Vegas? I think is one of those. And this this energy is very similar, where it's like two people who are just so fiery and like so mad and like uh, confident in themselves, uh, just like creating so much attraction that they end up in each other's arms. Um, so like the, the dynamic I like, it's just, I don't know. I never really was like rooting for them to get together, I guess. Um, so that, that whole element of this finale doesn't feel super important to me. Um, yeah, I'm going with Endor over Duan Mustafar. I think Mustafar was very memorable for me, but Battle of Endor just has more going on. I think, uh, from a story and character perspective. Here are some notes from an outsider on the Battle of Endor. Why does R2 always get electrocuted? 
Why does Chewie do the George of the Jungle call when he's swinging through the vines of Endor? How does how does Vader so easily yeet the Emperor into the into the uh, uh, what did I say? The lightning hole. Oh, and to to add to your point there, uh, Luke just cut off his his arm, right. so he's got he's got about this much of his arm missing on one hand, but he's yeah. able to he's still able to grab him. And, yep, and, and yeah. yeet him. And eat them with the, the force, man. Here's the, the force. Uh, yeah. Here's like you can use the force to move objects. So why didn't <laughs> yeah, he just like force just... move the emperor into the exhaust shaft? Yeah, this he... dude. I mean, emperor probably only weighs like 120, 130 pounds. He's like a yeah. very frail. But Darth Vader <laughs> was senile. he had to be doing he had to be doing some CrossFit or some powerlifting or something because to get a whole human over press him over your head like that that's not easy. Especially well, okay, so. A couple things here. Um, one, may, I'm I'm just throwing out theoretical. You know, maybe okay. Force was not going to work on Sidious because Sidious was so strong with the Force that that would have given him an ability to stop what he was doing or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just, it's just like, throwing that out it's there. It's like in the Duel of Mustafar when Anakin and like Obi-Wan are like doing a spin thing and then they go... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the reason... So, I don't know if you guys know this, but the reason that this ultimately kills vader is because of his cybernetic makeup um any electricity essentially shuts off his his uh his his like heart you know system that goes on and that's why vader is one of the like only sith lords that never uses lightning because if he uses lightning um it he's grounded and it and it would it would ruin his entire his entire life support right so him coming in and doing that and picking him up shocked him and it caused him to die so that's why he ends up dying not just because his arm was chopped off or he was overwhelmed or whatever he was actually fine he probably would have survived and lived on had he not picked up uh sidious there at the end um and thrown him off so the more you know i had no idea you know all right that's amazing um and then my final note uh, from an outsider is the unmasking of Vader makes me laugh almost every time because he looks like a pistachio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to go that hard on making this fool look so so deformed. He looks like a literal, a literal pistachio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's up against uh, Battle of Mustafar, which I didn't pass along last time, and. Chris actually brings up a very, very good point. There's, there is a part of that battle in which Obi-Wan and Anakin are just twirling their lightsabers, just facing each other, just... Oh, yeah, where they're just going back and forth, back yeah, and forth, back and, and, and forth. not making <laughs> contact or anything. It's just them, like... Yeah, them, like, yeah. It's like, like they're, they're in a, a ribbon dancing competition, and they're trying to see who can do it the fastest. It's so... <laughs> funny to me um for such a serious moment right it like it 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 like takes me out and be like oh my gosh somebody like put this into the choreography of the scene they're like and now you twirl that was exactly what it said in the script you guys fight and then you twirl and then you fight and you chop his legs off um i'm gonna agree with chris here i'm gonna send the battle of endor on because i think that it has that like land sea air effect of this battle where there's so many layers to it. It's one massive battle that uh, is a little bit more significant. Well, not more significant because it's very significant that Anakin gets 
but we get to see how Anakin becomes a pistachio, basically, in yeah. the Battle of Mustafar. So, like, <laughs> it's very significant. But, like, the encapsulation of the Battle of Endor is just so massive and there's so much going on. And it's so iconic and it has so many moments. And you get you get that Jedi versus Sith Lord battle just like you would with um, Mustafar with Obi-Wan versus Anakin before he did become a Sith Lord. So, uh, yep, Chris, I'm going to agree with you. Andre, did we make the right decision here? Uh, yes. And, and, uh, just to add on to what you were saying there, I, I think that he's a, uh, mixture of a pistachio and Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. <laughs> yes, you're That's so perfect, right. <laughs> perfect, uh, blend of the two. Uh, yeah, no, it, and you guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm a prequel truther. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I know when, uh, you know, you're, you're outmatched here and, uh, the <laughs> Battle of Endor, there's just too much going on. There's too much going on and it is a true epic fight scene epic battle scene on multiple fronts multiple layers uh not just twirling lightsabers back and forth um i talked last episode a huge advocate for the duel on mustafar i do think that it should be ranked higher but uh it is nowhere near the um you know battle of endor in terms of uh greatest battles here so i think you guys nailed that one all right, let's move on to this next matchup. It's the final one of this Elite Eight. It is the number three Battle of Hoth versus the number six Battle of Crate. Dude, I love the Battle of Crate. I don't care what you say. I don't care if it makes you mad. I don't care that you're upset that there's a Force Ghost. I don't care about any of that. This is a freaking awesome battle, in my opinion. I like just the, the scene that, like, the the moment that gives me just like yes i love this so much is just kylo screaming war when they're unloading <laughs> ammunition on luke the one thing that i i and mean then he, and then he gives a little little dude dude don't shoulder. even talk to me about that don't even talk to me about that talk, oh my god i i like have to just accept i just have to accept that cheesy is part of star wars like it's intentional like there was no way they were going to make old mark hamill look like a badass by making him brush something off his shoulders there's no way they knew this was gonna look cheesy and they shot it they watched it multiple times and they decided in the editing process to leave it in like they just they lean into it and i have to accept that but boy does that make me cringe when i see him do that (laughs) it's just like oh my god who are you I forgot until rewatching this battle. So, Chris, you brought this up that one of the many aspects that you don't like about this is that Finn doesn't die, that he doesn't sacrifice himself. And I agree with you. I kind of wish that he did because that it, it kind of leans into that Rogue One mentality of like for the greater good, for the bigger mission um, and let him be a, the hero that he wants to be uh, instead of being in everybody's shadows. But I forgot that he was like quote unquote saved by Rose. And then I forgot that they kiss <laughs> in this, so in this, weird. it's so forced. So forced. Like everyone was so okay with that. Not happening. We didn't need it. Rose is just Rose, right? We can just love Rose for being a, a, a badass part of the resistance. And instead she does this act of love and it's, so unnecessary so i will say that i don't i don't like that one at all and like to add on top of that when everyone gets into the base uh 
Poe shows up and is like, Ray's there and he's like, hey, I'm Poe. Right. And Ray's like, ooh, I'm Ray. And there's like a weird implied thing there too yeah. that feels unnecessary. Totally. I like the scrappiness and kind of the rawness of this. I like seeing Kylo at his maddest <laughs> when he's trying to fight Luke when he's down on the, on the ground and he's just so furious that any sort of context to the situation is just out the window for this guy. He is just bloodthirsty, just wailing with his lightsaber. Like it's just such, I love Adam driver just does such a great job with this character and leaning into who he is as a person. It's not just a super villain in a, in a series. Like this dude is this torn individual that has so much anger built up that he just can't contain it uh, most of the time. I just think he does such a great job with it. It's up against uh, the Battle of Hoth, which you said, very simple battle. Uh, it kind of revolves around <laughs> Luke flying and tripping a massive piece of artillery. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. That's that's how we're going to open up this movie. It's a pretty, it's a trip instead of any other sort of maneuver. I just think that there's so much more happening in the Battle of Crate. I love it aesthetically and just the content that comes along with it. Uh, I'm going to move Crate on here. I still got Hoth, honestly. Um, this is kind of the first battle where you see Luke, the Jedi, sure. start to become a thing. And it kind of hits you that like not only is Luke a soldier, but Luke is a Jedi. And like, what, what does that look like? What does that combination look like on the battlefield? Um, and, and we see Luke take down this giant Walker that is about to blow up the shield. So, um, I think it's kind of a foreshadowing mm. of, I mean, like what we eventually see in like the battle of Coruscant in episode three, where like Jedis are great pilots and great, swordsmen and can pretty much do anything on the battlefield because they have such great senses and reactions and stuff like that. So, um, it's a strong open for a really good star Wars movie, um, that I think never really hits the same level of energy, even with the final showdown in empire. It's that cloud city kind of slower duel. Um, this, this, like I said, it doesn't really get more like exciting than it does here, which is okay. Like that's why I like um, that movie, but sure. I'm going with battle of Hoth, So Andre's going to have to break a tie. Oh man. Um, <laughs> this one, this one is probably the toughest one I've had to do yet. Um, both I think uh, are exemplary of Luke Skywalker showing us something new. Right. Yeah. In Hoth, yeah. like you said, Chris, it's him taking that step forward um, in being, um, you know, being, being a badass and uh, leading leading a battalion forward. And and I think that the there is some shock value in a good way of like the aesthetic element of being in the snow and, uh, you know, seeing those ATATs for the first time, the harpoon thing like there's there's so many iconic moments there. And there's a lot of aesthetic appeal just with the snow. Like, that's a new environment. And I don't even know that there were too many pieces in film at the time where you saw that. Not even just Star Wars, but just anywhere, really, you know, in the, in the 80s. Um, 
And so that that was really cool. Um, and I got man, I the the Battle of Crate one. I have it starred, you know, as being an underrated one for sure, just because I do think that that also shows Luke Luke that that's a power that that no Jedi has ever surpassed. And some of the things you just mentioned, Kyle, with uh, Kylo Ren just getting so frustrated and angry. And I remember just sitting in my seat, like, as again, as much as I had issues with the movie itself, this scene saved it for me because it was like, I loved seeing him just get agitated and uh, just so, so irritated. Good. More, more. He's just screaming. It's just so he's, good. Yeah. And then, you know, Luke, this whole time, to our surprise, he's not even there. <laughs> like this whole time we're thinking like oh dang he used like a he used like a force ability to like protect himself from all those blasts and then he's gonna right. act like it didn't hurt and then no bro he's not even there and then <laughs> by the time we realized that kylo realized that and by the time kylo realized that the resistance was able to escape and um yeah so so that was pretty cool so oh man i don't know man <laughs> this is hard this is hard because this is there's a lot happening here so let me say this one of my issues with the ATATs, we we've we've been talking this whole time about how a lot of the filler movies and shows do a really good job of filling those holes, right? Of why was there a three foot hole in the Death Star that allowed for the whole thing to get blown up? Why was yeah. uh you know, why does Obi-Wan say this or why do they feel this way or why do they have this relationship and they get filled? One of my issues that I noticed last night in Rogue One on that on the on the scene on the Battle of Scarif, the ATATs are walking through the the little like dense jungle thing and they're and they're they they show up, everyone's panicking. Everyone's running. Oh my god, we can't defeat those and they start yeah. running. Okay, Rogue One takes place before episode five. Okay. All of a sudden a ship comes flying in, shoots it twice in the head, and the ATAT goes down. And then the whole everyone's all yeah, everyone's all screaming, <laughs> celebrating. Like, you mean to tell me ATATs can just be taken down by ships? But in Hoth, we got ships firing at them all over the place. They can't bring them down, so now they're gonna bring. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a learning experience for the Empire. Okay, we gotta build better armor on the ATATs so that they can sur sur survive ship fire. Maybe. That reminds me. That reminds me too. In that Rogue One scene, one of the ATATs gets hit. And like reacts as if this thing's alive. Yeah, you anyway, notice goes. that? It, yeah, it like gets hit <laughs> and then like turns, turns its, its head, head back. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Aren't there people in that? Like, isn't that just? Isn't this just a vehicle? Why did it react as if its whole it just, its whole neck turned? The whole neck <laughs> is it turned like a, like it got hit in the face by something. Imagine but, you're operating one of these things and you're in the driver's seat. You get hit. From you don't know where it's got hit because you're in a you're in a yeah. you're in a thing right you just get hit and you go hold on let me <laughs> yeah who did that 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 the the operator of that ATAT understood his assignment yeah he he like leaned into his role as the pilot of that that vehicle it's so funny to me um yeah man oh, this is so hard I think I'll go I think I'm gonna still go with Hoth on this just because there's more elements happening that happening in the battle that make it a better battle whereas with crate mm. i'm i'm finding myself when i'm talking about it i'm more focused on 
specific things that were happening within Crate, such as Luke, such as Kylo. But like the battle itself is more of telling of like the force abilities as opposed to like the whole battle. But guys, this one's this was a serious coin toss. This one's yeah. This has been the toughest one so far that I've had to do a tiebreak on. So, but yeah, I am gonna go with Hoth just just by a just by a hair. All right, Hoth moves on to the final four. So uh, let's hop over to the other side and see who will go to the finals. It's number nine, Battle of Scare versus number four, Battle of Geonosis. So here's my got a, um, got another clone trooper course on Coors Light too. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. The, the, as cold as the mountains of Hoth, <laughs> Coruscant light. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, look at the can. The lightsaber turned blue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Very good. That's um, it. All right. Let's get it. it. Okay. So here's, so here's my theory on Geonosis and I'm particularly on Yoda. Um, does, does Yoda know some elements of Sith arts? Hmm. Does he know? Um, possibly. Uh, I think he's definitely one of the most knowledgeable of the force, um, that exists. So yeah, he knows. Are you, are you asking because you, you feel like he was applying some, some of that in his so, combat style? When when Dooku shoots the lasers at him, he like takes it and just like kind of squeezes it. It was like it didn't phase him at all. Yeah, and so that's why I'm kind of like, hmm. okay. Hmm. So that is, I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I was actually going to bring that up as why this is like such a crazy scene on so many levels, but specifically what you're talking about there. So that is a light side, super super advanced ability to be able to catch force lightning. We saw like Mace Windu, we've seen Obi-Wan, we've seen Anakin block Force Lightning with their lightsaber. Yep. Okay. So that's that's pretty advanced to be able to block Force Lightning because Force Lightning is, is really strong, right? But Yoda is the only one that we've ever seen to actually be able to catch Force Lightning with his own force. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a far on the light side Force ability. Um, to be able to do that, to manipulate the force lightning to stop within its tracks and use the force to 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 catch it when you're unarmed, so you have to be really strong like, with the force to have that. Right, and so like the thing I'm kind of like wondering is, instead of like I've so often thought about the force is like there's a light side of the force and a dark side of the force. Mm -hmm. Like it's like a coin, you know, and you're either or, and like, I'm starting to think about it kind of as more as like a spectrum or like a, or like an orb. It's like, there is no light or dark side. There's only the force and what you choose to do with it. And so like, instead of, um, you know, like, Oh, I'm a, I mean, yeah, like you're a light side force user, but like you, you know, the force. And mm-hmm. if you had to, could you conjure some, some dark side stuff mm-hmm. if you were Yoda and you were that powerful? Absolutely. Cause like, I think about, I think about like a uh, Dr. Strange and I think that's an, that's mm-hmm. like a character trait of the Supreme being. Mm-hmm. She's like, there's some dark stuff in that book, yep. you know, and like if you want to be truly powerful, like unfortunately you do have to know that. Stuff. You guys seen the what if episode on, on Dr. Strange? Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. That, that one's exactly what you're talking about. It's if he exactly were to it. lose his heart instead of his hands, it's exactly what you're, you're rolling into right there. You got to check that out. 
Yeah. And it's yeah. so, so like, yeah, when I see Yoda in this moment, it kind of like, it, it makes me rethink, I guess, the force and like the Jedi yeah. period, you yeah. know? Sure. Um, yeah, he's, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's tons of examples. I'd say pretty much every Jedi and Sith fall in the spectrum. I think you can look at Yoda as being far light, as far light as you could possibly get. And you look at uh, Sidious as being far dark. And mm-hmm. then everyone else falls in between them. And, um, you know, there's there's some very harsh examples that go, um, you know, on, on either side of that as well. But even like Obi-Wan had, um, he had a relationship with a, a woman they talk about in Clone Wars, but he had a, a relationship with uh, Duchess Satine um, and almost left the Jedi Order for her before he became a uh, Jedi Master. Hmm. Um, so he, that was him having attachment, right? So attachment falls more towards the dark side. He wasn't doing anything bad with it but that's not the jedi way and that's not the light side right and then you have obviously anakin who was always floating on that boundary of being in the middle and then eventually turned full dark side uh, mace windu some of his combat styles and um the way that he uses his force as more offensive abilities is considered to be more dark side hmm. right um so that goes into kind of like why his lightsaber uh you know colors is what it is but he's um Everybody's on that spectrum, like you said. Everybody's on that spectrum, but Yoda's Yoda's as as far <laughs> far that side as it possibly gets. And so the the point that, that you bring up of, of him kind of catching that force lightning there, um, it is an extreme circumstance of uh, light side force that gives him that, and he's the only one that has ever done it, as far as we know. So like. As, as as we learn more about the Jedi and the Sith and their relationship with one another in the prequels, like I can't help but see some comparisons to like Christianity where there's oh, yeah. like a Yoda is Jedi Jesus yeah. and like yeah. <laughs> Palpatine is like the devil. <laughs> um, and there, uh, there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of like really toxic stuff in uh, the Jedi Order, for sure. as, as there is as there sure. is in like the the church as well. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, so it's hard it's hard for me to watch these prequels like in twenty twenty one where we value things like being able to express your emotions and like you know kind of not being so tied to like this is what you have to do like this is the way mm-hmm. this is the you know this is your responsibility you know um, and so like I watch it I'm like I don't know these Jedi's there's uh, I kind of like don't know what who's right and who's wrong in in these situations and like at the very beginning of Geonosis you see Count Dooku being like yo Palp- Senator Palpatine's evil man like mm-hmm. he's he, the, the clone wars is phony like this is all fake and yeah. like Obi-Wan's like no nah, man you're crazy and so in that moment you're like dude Count Dooku's like the good guy right now yeah. he's like, that <laughs> Dooku's a good <laughs> example of one that kind of he falls not not necessarily in the middle he's He's Sith, but he's on like in between Sith and middle, right? Like he's he's not super extreme. Um, and another one I would say that's a great example of sort of uh, the opposite side of that for for Dooku is Qui Gon. So Qui Gon was known for being very rebellious against the Jedi Order and the things that they taught. And he was very unorthodox in the way that he taught his own apprentices or his own uh, Padawans. Um, and it would get him in trouble. 
Um, he has a long history of doing things his own way and sort of deviating away from because he doesn't agree. If he doesn't agree with it, he's not going to stick to it, right? Um, but he was obviously a very strong force wielder. He was the first one to to um, be able to uh, have a force ghost and to communicate with um, people after he dies. Um, so he was very strong with the force, but he was, like you said, spectrum, right? And he he I think all Jedi fall somewhere in there. And there's there's some like really deep lore with that um, that goes all the way back to like Knights of the Old Republic, um, where you have you have like Jedi that are that are 100% middle, like they don't fall hmm. either way. They they use different color lightsabers. They have different morals. They have different teachings. Like everything, it's there's a super deep lore to that. But you, you bring up a good point there, um, in that yeah, Dooku, Dooku, he was one. He was he was uh, Yoda's padawan long huh. ago so he's you know he was once a jedi he didn't agree with it unfortunately he went straight dark side as a result whereas qui-gon still remains a jedi and still remained in the jedi order but he just kind of did things unorthodox he just did things his own way built a reputation for himself one of my favorite examples of qui-gon doing that is when he tries to straight rip off watto and he's like, mm-hmm. two thousand credits. Mm-hmm. Two thousand credits will do it. Right. Yeah, using using his force <laughs> abilities to get what he wants. That's exactly that's got, the kind of that's stuff he would rude, do, bro. Yeah, <laughs> trying to steal. Right Throws, now. keeps what? keeps the dice rolling till it hits what he wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sketchy, bro. He knew what he was doing. Um, sketchy, bro. So so in the Battle of Geonosis, you end up with the separatists who are the fake bad guys, and then you have the clone army, which are the secret bad guys. And then you have the Jedi who are actually clueless and have no idea what's going on. So it's like, <laughs> uh, it's one of those, it's one of those, there's a lot of irony going on in this, in this battle, sure. dramatic irony where the audience knows what's happening and no one seems like no one else besides Emperor Palpatine knows exactly what's going on. And so I think for a, for a movie that has a beginning and middle and end, um, that frustrates me a little bit, but for a sequel trilogy it's really nice because it's kind of like you know blurring those lines and making us think a little bit and challenging us in some ways um so i think the battle of geonosis is really fun for that reason just to be able to talk about it and um, question <sighs> i just the thing is i cannot stop thinking about the realism of the battle of scarif yeah. and just the, the the way that it's filmed um the things that it focuses on um and just like the 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 icing on the cake for me for the battle of scarif is when that star destroyer crashes into the other star destroyer yeah there's like like if if the prequels cgi is like not your cup of tea Battle of Scarif is is the medicine. Yep. Yep. It's like it's yep. it it holds up. It's so great. It's so beautiful. Like in every way, it's just such a fun watch and such a fun sequence that keeps you glued and you don't lose interest a- a- any step of the way. Um, and and I think one thing that that sequence has going for it is the way that they set it up, where everyone is in like this meeting, um, which is a very like battle thing. There's a battle room and everyone's arguing with each other and no one, you know, no one's really in charge and everyone's trying to like assert their own dominance and everyone has an objective on this mission. Um, and, and the battle is about hitting all of those checkpoints and the audience therefore like knows what, what has to be done so they can kind of feel some of that tension. I'm going with Battle of Scarif to the finals. The, it's good that you brought up 
everyone has their kind of piece to this battle because that's what is so impressive about this scene from a just like a movie standpoint and then also their execution of this battle is that the audience can very easily follow what has to happen and what everyone's role is and what has to happen and you have everyone doing whatever they can tons of self-sacrifice i mean the entire battle is a self-sacrifice um to make this objective happen and i think that's really important about a battle and there's another battle on in this final four that is also that in endor is everyone kind of doing their part to make sure that this objective is complete but scarif just does it so well the battle of geonosis is like a battle royale it's just like a big fight and you brought it up you said it perfectly like where every side thinks they know what they're fighting for but in reality, no one really knows what they're fighting for. And especially are like who we see as heroes, the Jedi, right? They just they're, they're clueless to what's happening. Uh, it's it's such a great, complete. Sh- I mean, Rogue One, I just think is such a great movie in general. But this scene really encapsulates how they were able to tell that story in a way that feels both Star Wars and in just like a pure battle sequence. Uh, I'm agreeing with you. Scarif's going to the finals. Andre, what do you think? Oh, man. I have so <laughs> many ripped, ripped and torn emotions, man. I'm so happy that I didn't have to make this decision because when I, when I made my picks, when I was like looking through our list, I picked Geonosis to go to the final. I picked Geonosis oh. to win it all. Oh. I did. But then we started talking about Scarif, and I didn't realize Scarif and Geonosis were going were gonna to match in the right. final four. And oh man, <laughs> oh I'm so glad I'm so glad you guys uh, you guys handled that. But okay, <laughs> so since since we're parting ways with Geonosis, there are a few things I want to say. Decision is final. We can't go Please, back. Please let but us let us hear. I can. It. I'm hoping I can uh, at least make you guys feel bad about this. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, we got the Jedi Arena Brawl, right? Yes. Hey. Around the survivors, a perimeter create. <laughs> Yoda shows up with the ship, stands there with his cane. He's, just, yep. he's standing there just just, just mugging. He's looking down. He comes yeah. in at the perfect time because all the Jedi are standing there. and They're just stranded, and they need help. Here comes Yoda, Big Daddy Yoda, rolling in on the <laughs> ship with the most iconic line. That <laughs> was, was just perfect timing. Yeah. yeah, so we got that. This is the first time we see Yoda in action, which I think is also huge because up to this point, we only see Yoda in the prequels. He's this old, senile, yep. you know, puppet. And we hear these legends of, oh, Master Yoda, Master. Oh, what do you mean? He's just a little green guy. Like, what's yeah. this guy even do? And then all of a sudden, this fool pulls out his lightsaber and starts doing all these acrobats. Like, it is nuts. Like, I think that was like. That was absolutely insane seeing that for the first time. Um, it was also the first time we saw Mace Windu's lightsaber. Right. So when he does the whole, hey, this party's over, it was like, that's a purple lightsaber? Like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> he kills Jango Fett. That's something we didn't talk about yet. Right. He kills Jango Fett, cuts this dude's head off right in front of Boba Fett, which then creates the kind of connection as to why Boba Fett is who he is in 
the original trilogy and that he's such a badass uh, bounty hunter. He's just like his dad, right? Yeah, and then right. he had this motivation to hate Jedi ever since watching a Jedi murder his father. So you have that. You got the Anakin Obi-Wan Dooku fight thing, which was kind of lame. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's funny. Anytime Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan fight, Obi-Wan just gets yeeted to the side and then. Always. Yeah. He, something falls on him and he can't move. <laughs> and then it's just Anakin by himself. And then, of course, Daddy Yoda's got to come in and, and save the day and Clean catch it the up. Force Lightning. Yeah. He, yeah. So that, that was, that was pretty crazy too. Um, and to me, I thought that that scene very much like um very much like the uh the the battle of crate i felt like that saved the movie hmm. I felt like there wasn't a lot happening in that movie that really gauged my interest up until the coliseum right and then that whole scene transpired and then the movie just took off for me like it was just it was so much fun and um it was a long scene that was one of the longer ones on the yeah. list um and it was you know just it was it was fun it was a good scene to watch but i'm glad you guys took care of that because i would have felt really bad picking geonosis <laughs> i would have picked geonosis but i would have felt extremely bad picking geonosis over um scarif because i think scarif just hits all those elements that we're talking about right yeah in terms of uh, measuring up to that success so good pick totally. good pick all right who will the battle of scarif face off in the finals is our last final four matchup. It's number two, Battle of Endor versus number three, Battle of Hoth. Uh, Chris, I got to go Endor here. I think it's just the more complete battle uh, in a Star Wars situation, right? And it's, it's, I just really want to see it matched up against Scarif because I think that it's parallel. They're, they're very similar battles in which there's many things that need to happen. Everyone has a role. Uh, you got the land, sea, air aspect of both, like, that this they both just feel so much like a battle and especially when endor is matched up against hoth where hoth is definitely a battle um but it's it and it's there's definitely everything star wars about it but you just think of what endor meant to that film and it's just the complete package i'm going number two uh, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, you cannot advance like this, like kind of strong open battle over one that ties up all of the storylines in yep. the original trilogy. Um, so we'll send that one to the finals. Andre, are you with us there? Yeah, guys, the, uh, the, the Hoth mountains are no longer blue. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to call it good for Hoth here. Um, I told you guys Hoth kind of barely made it for me on the last one. Um, when we were comparing it to, uh, who was the last one? Uh, Battle of Crate. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Endor, Endor. I've, I've been saving my Endor argument for the finals because I, I, I do, I do think there's a lot going on for Endor. So um, let's get into it, man. We're in the finals now. Here we are. This is this is so hard. It's the number nine <laughs> Battle of Scare from Rogue One versus number two Battle of Endor from Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Um. I just think Rogue One does a really good job of creating that self-contained story that I appreciate. Um, does a really good job of focusing on the characters like we talked about, the details of the battlefield and of the war experience. Like I said at the very beginning, this puts the war in Star Wars right here. Um, and that was really the intention of Rogue One, I think, um, was to create kind of a more real experience. Um, so that, I mean, that's one reason I really love it. 
Battle of Endor can get a little bit complicated. I think I think I'm going to go with the Battle of Endor because of the fact that this is the Skywalker saga. Hmm. And I think I think Battle of Scarif is probably like a better battle in a vacuum, but like this is best Star Wars battle, not best battle scene in a Star Wars movie. Um, I think I think the fact that Endor ties up the Luke and Vader stuff for the time being. Right. Uh, I think that makes it very satisfying to me. Um, and I love that there is kind of that slow character throne room scene mixed in with the exciting uh, space battle stuff and the exciting uh, ground battle stuff. Also, hey, Scarif has the Star Destroyer crashing into itself, but so does Endor. It's got the Super <laughs> Star Destroyer crash scene, so that's there as well. Um, yeah, I'm. It's really hard. This is one of the more difficult finals, I think, in a while. Um, I've had to pick. Yeah, but uh, I, I think I'm gonna go with Endor. Uh, I feel so underqualified to make a decision in the finals of a Star Wars bracket in general. Uh, let alone what defines like a a star war, right? It's basically what this bracket is: is what what's a star war and what best represents a star war. So just just to take myself off, Scarif is going to be my winner, which means oh, man. Andre, You're gonna I want the me? expert. I want the <laughs> expert to actually choose, as opposed to me just saying oh. whatever I've been nonsense I've been saying. This is you, Andre. Take the floor. All right. So I've had to defend Scarif because it was a nine seed, and it's yep. it's it's been in some pretty good ones, you know, up to this point. Um, and uh, so I've I've said a lot about Scarif. I've not talked a lot about Endor, so I do want to. Pay some respect here to the to the to the OG episode six uh, finale scene. Um, we've got a lot of things here that are going on. We've all kind of talked about there's there's an all around sort of effort happening, right? We've got um, we've got Lando getting involved and f- literally flying the ship into the cuts and getting into <laughs> the the second Death Star, uh, doing his part. Uh, you know, a part of that that fleet that's flying into the trap you have it's a trap the right the iconic it's a trap is finally uh there and i i i, I rewound the scene a couple times yesterday when i was watching it because it was the it, it was the akbar turning to the camera going it's a trap and then <laughs> and then he just kind of bobbles his head and stares at the screen for a second and then it cuts out <laughs> And I was like, that's why it's a meme. Because <laughs> it's so great. It's just so great. Um, you also have that hilarious scene um, where uh, Han Solo tries to distract the guard. He taps his other shoulder and runs around the corner <laughs> to the whole fleet. I was cracking up. I was like, I was like, why'd they need to do that? But it's funny. Like, I'm yeah. down. It's hilarious. He yeah. just taps his like, you could have just, you could have just ran by him and he would have chased him, but he had to right. tap the other shoulder like a child just to get him to <laughs> turn his attention. I was cracking up. Um, you've got the Ewoks, right? The Ewoks being a part of what's happening. Um, you know, we had that whole kind of lead up to it where they think 3PO is the God, is their God and Savior and right. all this. And then they do the big old festival and celebration. And then, they are all hands on deck. And then they even threw in the sentimental 
scenes where like some of them died and you have the Ewok, you know, holding his head and oh, he's he's sad. And you kind of you're kind of like, "Oh, cuz like yeah. they're little they're little cute things, you know what I mean?" Yeah. So like you see that and you're just like, "Dang, like kind of kind of hits different." You know? <laughs> and then they set up all the traps for the the little walkers that are going through the forest and throwing the little slingshots. So I do think that that really encompasses a full battle and that doesn't even include the the Luke invader and top uh, uh Sidious scene and I think something that we haven't uh talked too much about going all the way back to the prequels was that we have this this idea of the chosen one right the mm. prophecy that goes all the way back to episode 3 episode 1 is he really the chosen one is and then they don't really know what that means and they thought that this means He's going to end the war. He's going to bring balance to the forest now. And what they come to realize is that he's he's the chosen one to end the war later. And so we see that in episode six. He yeets, Palp- he yeets uh, Asidious over the thing. And that's him rebalancing the force. He finally went back to the light side. And Luke kept saying, I see the good in him. I see the good in him. So... I do think that that ties a, a nice little knot, you know, perfect little bow on the Star Wars saga, no matter what order you watch it in. You could watch it in four, five, six, and not see another Star Wars movie for 20, 25 years, and right. you, feel, you feel happy with it. Or you could watch one, two, three, four, five, six, and be like, dang, all right, that's the chosen one right there. You know what I mean? Right. So, so. Uh, I've been pulling for this underdog, man. I've been pulling for this underdog. Think it's a super underrated movie, uh, but the 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 Endor, you just you can't top that. The Endor, the Endor. I don't know that that Star Wars can ever replicate a scene that's gonna that's gonna match the the all encompassing factor that goes with the Battle of Endor. And and Scarif definitely has that with all the sacrifices that are being made at the ground level. Um, but yeah. Endor is just it's it's got the classic element. It's got the you know all the different people contributing from space, from ground, from Jedi. Um, so I, I I think I'm gonna go with Endor just barely here. Uh, you know, watched a few of you guys' other podcasts. I would definitely agree. This one this one definitely looks like one of the the tougher the tougher uh, finals that you guys gotta decide between. So I don't blame uh, you, Kyle. I don't blame yep. you. Yep, that was a tough one, but we have done it. We have found the best Star Wars battle it is the number two seed battle of endor from star wars episode six return of the jedi and as we do at the end of every podcast we are going to clap it out yeah chris i learned a lot this bracket i hope you did because i I came in knowing very little (laughs) you're gonna go back and when you watch any star wars movie now you're just gonna be like oh i i I see that now that makes sense dang that's a pretty big deal the force is a spectrum hey i've seen all of the movies so many times and even now like i told you i i saw the, the episode one where the little head fake like i still notice things that i don't notice when i watch them several times it's like it's cool man you get a different you get a different light each time you, you go through them so well uh i hope all of our star wars fan listeners and some of our non-star wars fan listeners uh enjoyed this one andre thank you again so much for joining us on this bracket uh so much fun uh, to pick this these super important stuff you know <laughs> of course
Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. Um, you know, uh, hopefully you guys uh, do some more Star Wars stuff in the future. I know that's uh, it's becoming a big, big part of Disney. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, this is, this is super fun, guys. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for another bracket. Um, you know how to reach us. If you have something to say about our Star Wars takes, uh, did, did we miss some battles, some moments, uh, some small details we forgot? We would love to hear from you. Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, do you want to hop in? Do you want to co-host? Do you want to come up with a bracket idea of your own? Please let us know. It is up on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and Facebook. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Folks, you know what time it is. Execute Order 66.